Good morning, everybody. Um, a couple of things real quick. Uh, we, it is baby world around. Have you not noticed either the strollers or the care? And it just keeps happening, which... Awesome. Uh, so our newest, we have grandparents here representing the, the, the family, the Hesses. We have Zara Berkeley Johnson, who was born. All right. And uh, we are excited. And uh, I just want you to be aware uh, that that has happened and there's still like the raws to go and oh my word, it just keeps coming, right? So uh, just very cool blessing. Uh, switch to my screen, if you will. Uh, we have been talking about this thing uh, called uh, the equipping conference that is coming up and um, Lindsay actually spoke into that a little bit. It is coming up September 27 through 29 and some of you are going, like, okay, but what is it? Like what is happening with this? What are, what are we doing at this thing called the equipping conference? If we are going to be an equipping church, we want to make sure that you are hearing from those who, by the way, are doing the stuff that we consider to be equipping or giving you tools in which you can be equipped. And so we're putting together this equipping conference. And so with that, I want you to understand that there are three main sessions, three main sessions that will happen. One will happen on Thursday night, two on Saturday morning. Uh, and there are four breakout sessions. One will happen on Thursday night, two on Friday night, and then one on Saturday morning. In that, there's going to be up to nine, every breakout session will have up to nine choices for you to choose from. And with that, we have almost up to 28 presenters who will be presenting different things. These are people from this congregation. Example, Zach and Jocelyn will be doing uh, a a breakout session. Uh, One of our home church, uh, um, Barry and Justin, you'll be leading a breakout session. So we have all of these things we want to give to you, and you'll be able to choose them, and they will be doing them probably more, probably about twice. So you can get, oh, I, I wanted to see that one, but I was at a different one. You'll get a couple of choices, so you'll be able to push through that. Also, there's going to be worship. There is going to be food. There is going to be art. There is going to be fun. And we just want you to know that we want you to be a part of this. Yes, child care is provided. And so we need you to sign up. Here's why we need you to sign up. It doesn't cost you anything, but it gives us a reference of numbers as to what we're preparing for food-wise, all of those things that are going on. It is going to be a great time that we want to show you. And so people are like, I don't understand. Let me explain to you. This is just a breakdown. Uh, Thursday and Friday nights, Saturday morning till 1230. You can see breakout and then these equipping seminars, equipping seminars breakout, uh, sorry, main session, equipping seminars and main session. And notice we're done at 1230. We want to give you the rest of Saturday to enjoy. So some people did not understand how that was going to work. You are seeing a picture of how that is going to work. It is Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday morning. You out of here at 1230, you can go on with the rest of your day. But we want to pack that time in. And we have some amazing things. Uh, if, if, if the men who went to, to our men's summit will tell you, we have some fun things planned in the midst of things. Brett's putting together some amazing artwork. Um, there's a whole team working on that behind the scenes right now. Um, we just hope that you will come and be a part of that. So you can. Go. Even in the app that we have, you can go there and sign up today. Just say, hey, I'm coming. We're trying to get good round numbers so we can be able to be best planned for you. Are you guys all set with that? All right. Hopefully that helps. If you do not understand what Equipping Conference is, come talk to me. I will share with you. I will hopefully make sure that you are aware of what's going on. But we really are excited about what God is going to be doing with this time. All right. Now, um, Let me say what's going to happen. For the next four weeks, you're going to get me. Uh, I'm going to be leading you on a four-week series called The Kingdom of God. 
It, is, it has a couple of purposes. Uh, today is very much set up. Today is kind of like the introduction, uh, pointing to this idea of the kingdom of God. And for the next four weeks, I'm going to walk you through some things that are going to help us to understand who we are as a church and what our mission is and why this thing is called that way. So again, you're going to be getting me for the next four weeks. And I'm just asking that you open up your heart to what God is doing and, and what God wants to do um, through his kingdom. And so that becomes important. By the way, all the verses are on version. You can grab those if you go there today. If you have version, look for events. All the verses are there. And some of you are going to see like, wow, that's a lot of verses. I always get you there out here on time. I promise. All right. So I'm going to get you out, out of time, out on time again. So let's, let's, let's do this. It is interesting that this idea of the kingdom of God, for some people go, okay, I get it. But what's, what's also interesting is how much we don't think about it. And, and the reason why is a lot of what we do is we focus on the church. Now, I want to make sure I'm very clear when I say this. The church is a vehicle by which we experience the kingdom of God. The church is not the end result. The end result is to be a part of the kingdom of God. Church is a tool that is used. It is something that God has established for his purposes. But this is how it was spoken of. In Luke chapter 8, verse 1, it says this. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Jesus, when he would travel around and would go from city to city, he was saying the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, interesting enough, we live in a world where someone can be right now preaching in New York or actually in London or around the world, and by uh, the technology, you can listen to that message right now, or you can listen to it tomorrow, or you can listen to it next week. The reality of what you need to know is, is that Jesus would go into these different regions and would have a very basic message that was being spoken of in each of the cities. Meaning that Jesus would come in and as he would go into the cities, he had a very simple plan to talk about the fact that a new kingdom was coming. Why is that significant? Well, the reason why it's significant, if you are, by the way, a Jew, is they're waiting for a new king. They're waiting for a new kingdom. They had a king called David. David was the one that helped establish the temple. Solomon built the temple. Jerusalem was the city of God and the city called the city of David as well. And so they've been waiting. They've been uh, oppressed since Babylon. From Babylon, uh, from Babylon, they went into Syria, uh, the Persians, and the Persians went to the Greeks, and the Greeks went to the Romans, and they've been under this idea, and they've wanted a kingdom. And Jesus comes along and goes, I want to tell you of the kingdom of God. Now that would have sparked the thoughts of the Jews because they would have wanted a kingdom as well. But what they would have wanted would have been an earthly king sitting on a throne in the temple. I'm sorry, not in the temple, but on his throne and establishing the temple back. That's what they would have wanted. But Jesus comes along and says the kingdom of God. And he has a completely different kingdom than what they were expecting. And by the way, the reason why Jesus ultimately ends up on the cross is because they could not see the kingdom that he was presenting. Because he wasn't presenting himself sitting on a throne in the city of Jerusalem. He was talking of a different kingdom that would be different for all of us. And so I just want you to understand we're going to kind of unpack that. So again, he went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news. Now, in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 through 33, we have this. This is being said to Mary. He will be great. This is, speaking of, this is speaking to Mary of Jesus. He will be great. 
and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. Establishing that there's going to be a kingdom. Mary is told this. He's going to establish the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And so there's a speaking of this new kingdom. Now again, these are all very key words. But let's start with this idea of kingdom. With a kingdom, there is a king. With a king, that king is the one who's responsible. That king sets the agenda for the people. It's one of the reasons why Israel and Judah having kings was really bad for them because in in essence, the way the kings went is the way the people went. Good king, good people. Bad king, they go down a bad path. And so in that process, you have this idea of that God goes, look, there's been this kingdom world we have. By the way, the kingdom world of this earth never really works. Matter of fact, under you having kings, O Judah and O Israel, you got carried off into Babylon with a king over you. So what is this new kingdom? Because it's not what they would have expected. In Luke 17, 20 through 21, it says this, being asked by the Pharisees, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in the ways that can be observed. Now that was the first clue. Now what would have been observed would have been an uprising. An uprising of people that would have come together as Israel. God would have been behind them. They would have taken over Rome. They would have run Rome out. They would have reestablished back their boundaries. They would have had, again, a system. That is what they wanted to observe. That is what they wanted to see accomplished. And Jesus says in his own words, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's already here. The kingdom of God is already here. And you're looking and missing it. Have you ever been where you're trying to point out something like a star or maybe something and you're trying to get someone to look where you are looking and it's so obvious to where you're looking and you're just pointing and you're like, no, right there. And they're like, where? Right there, like there. And you, that you cannot believe that they cannot see the there you're pointing to. You know that concept, that feeling, that frustration? It's right through. I can't see it. Give me a better landmark. It's in front of you. That's what my wife feels when I... Need something out of the fridge, but it's completely different. But in this idea is that the people of Israel were looking over here, and God goes, the kingdom is in your midst, and they go, we don't see it. Because he was doing it over here. And they kept looking, going, we're looking for it, we're looking for it, we're looking for it, we're looking for it, because they could not imagine that it would come in meekness. They could not imagine it would come from a carpenter's son, out of Nazareth. Couldn't believe that he'd be born in a barn. They couldn't believe that he would come humbly and his followers would be fishermen and tax collectors and zealots. It was nowhere where they were looking. Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were until John. Listen to that. The law and the prophets were until John. This is John the Baptist, the one who comes into the wilderness. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, 
and everyone forces his way into it. So Jesus has come along saying, look, when John comes on the scene, everything changes. Because up to that point, it was about Israel and how Israel had failed and how they had been basically decimated. And then, yes, sent back to Jerusalem. But even in doing so, they were never accomplishing what needed to happen. But it says this, until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached. Mark 1, 14 through 15, to back up what we just talked about. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee preaching, proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news, and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Okay, but what are we, what are we getting? The new kingdom is so radical now, now, for us now, post-resurrection of Jesus Christ, post what has happened with the church, post everything, it's lost on us. It really is. Jesus had dealt with a people called Israel. They've been his chosen people. And we're going to know that Jesus comes to his people, but his people rejected him, and therefore, God opens the door to all mankind, by the way, and opens up a new kingdom to all of us. And we get access to this kingdom. That is radical news to the Jews. Because they did not want to share God. They wanted their own kingdom. They wanted to have their own power and authority on this earth. And Jesus comes along and goes, it's in your midst, but you can't see it because it's bigger than you. It's bigger than what you can imagine. It's bigger than animal sacrifice. It's bigger than the law. And it's bigger than what you would do with the temple. And so in doing this, he's saying, look, I'm telling you, it's good news. Because here's the thing. The way the kingdom was established before, there was no way it was ever going to work. No way. God could have given us more than the law. I mean, he gave us 1,600 laws to keep if you were Jewish. And they couldn't do it. He gave them prophets. They couldn't do it. He gave him his presence. Cloud by day, fire by night. They couldn't do it. A holy mountain. And yet while Moses is on the holy mountain, they build a golden calf. He couldn't do it. The only answer had to do this new kingdom had to have a new king and a new way of things were done. Luke 4, 42 through 43. And it was day he departed and went to a desolate place. So Jesus wanted to go to a place and have time with God. This is just him having time with his father. Watch what happens. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. Why? Jesus had been healing. Jesus had been uh, teaching them. And Jesus knew that if he stayed there and continued to heal these people, although healing is fine and, and people who are blind can see and the deaf can hear, It's not why he came. And if they would have kept him from leaving, then he would not have accomplished his purpose. And what is his purpose? He's going to tell us what his purpose is. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. I was sent to tell the people of Israel, the people of this known area of Galilee and different areas, there's a new kingdom coming. 
And you're looking over here, but it's coming. And just because you're looking in the wrong place doesn't mean it's not coming. And just because you want it to be a certain way doesn't mean it's not happening. And Jesus goes, I'm going to go and keep telling them. I'm going to keep telling them. And then, in Luke 9, 1 through 2, he called the twelve together and gave them the power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. So one of the things about having a merged church is this. I realize that there's a group of you that have not heard all of my really cool stories. And then there's another group of you that have heard all of, you've heard it, and you've heard it, and you've heard it. So I get in these moments of like, what do I do? Because I have this cool story, but you, those of you who haven't heard it, you really deserve to hear it. And for the other people, okay, here we go. First day of Bible college, first day of Bible college, I am in my first class. I'm there early. I actually dressed up. By the way, that is a thing that happens in school. You look good for the first week and then sweats start coming out. But anyway, I'm looking good. And I'm there and a guy comes rolling into my class on a skateboard wearing what I call John Lennon glasses. You guys remember John Lennon glasses, the round, the round ones, right? And uh, I introduced myself. Hi, my name's Jeff Harris. He goes, hi, my name's Butch Ellis. Hey, good to meet you. Glad that we're in this class together. This is awesome. We had a great time. Kind of struck up a bond. Uh, I'm what we call an off-campus scum. I didn't live on the uh, campus, so therefore as an off-campus student, sorry, I, I said something I shouldn't have said, off-campus student, uh, you're not really recognized. You're just another minion because only the people on the, on the, in the dorm seem to notice each other. So him and I were talking and everything else, and we're, we're talking. And so we walk up to a group of people, and uh, hey, how are you? My name's Jeff. And he goes, my name is Butch Ellis. And literally people's faces dropped, like a noticeable drop. And they were like, like they couldn't put out the next sentence. What? what, what? And they walked away. <laughs> that was odd. Like he looked at me like, was that odd? And I'm like, that was odd. We go up to the next group of people. Same thing. Hey, how, oh, my name's Jeff. Yeah, da, da, I'm from this area. Blah, blah, blah. What's your name? Butch Ellis. <laughs> this happened over and over again. He is starting to freak out. I have to go to another class. I'm like, God be with you. I go to another class. And I see him later on this afternoon. And by the way, I'm starting to hear a buzz going around school. I'm going to tell you what happened. Butch had a friend that when he was a junior, this friend was a senior, and this senior went off to our college. So he's a year ahead. His name is Curtis. In the last three months of the, of the previous school year, Curtis made thousands of flyers that had this one phrase on it. Butch Ellis is coming. <laughs> and he put them everywhere. He put them on bathroom stalls. He put them on tables. He would leave stacks of them in the library on the table. He would go into dorm halls and, the, and then tape them on all doors. He put them on prof's doors. He would stick them on prof's notes. He, for three months, secretly, for three months, put out flyers that said, Bush Ellis is coming. People thought it was a band. People thought it was a new professor. People, I mean, the rumors, I guess, were rampant. This is what was being talked about in study hall. This is what was being talked about at... P and then people started doing, oh yeah, I know who it is. I met him. I know who it is. Like people, 
they didn't, right? But they were taken, they were claiming, right? Because this thing just took on a, a, a life of its own. Does that make sense? By the time they graduated, the theories and the hypothesis were off the charts. So when Butch gets to school, Butch Ellis is here who, by the way, has been talked about and thought about all summer long. So Butch and I talked at a conference. I met Butch, actually, is on staff at uh, Hope International University, same school, he's on staff, he's in the uh, recruitment office. Uh, But him and I talked at a conference, he was there recruiting stuff, and I go, man, I've told that story so many times in my church. And he goes, can I tell you this? He goes, this is what I learned. I was such a letdown. Do you understand? He goes, there was no way I was living up to the epicness of what they had created in their own mind as to what I was. Do you understand the concept? There is no way. There was no way that they were going to reach the, because in their minds, he is now godlike Butch Ellis. His name is whispered and revered. And then they met him. And he was just a guy. Jesus would send out his disciples. And this is the message. The kingdom is coming. And people started to go, what is this new kingdom? What is this new kingdom? And I want you to know it did an incredible job of people trying to figure out what this new kingdom. So by the way, when Jesus does come into villages, as we are said, thousands are coming to be healed, to be touched. Because before Jesus ever got there, the crowd was already saying, the kingdom is coming and it's all connected to this person, Jesus. And he would teach them and he would heal them. By the way, I don't think he disappointed like Butch. But his purpose was to talk about a new kingdom. And he sent them out and said, look, this is what we're here to do is to talk about this new kingdom. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. The reason we're going to Acts is this is all pre-Jesus. Acts is post-Jesus. Let's talk about this. this But when they had believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God... Philip is still preaching post-Jesus' resurrection about the kingdom of God. And this verse is the reason why I'm sharing this series. We still should be talking about the kingdom of God. Folks, we're not inviting people to church. We're inviting them into a kingdom. We're inviting them into a kingdom. We're inviting them into a kingdom where he reigns on high and Jesus has already paid the price and he is the advocate and he sits at the right hand of the Father. We're inviting them into a kingdom. We're not inviting them into statehood or into a national idealism. We're inviting them into a kingdom. Therefore, Selena is going to go to the Middle East and she will find people in the Middle East who love Jesus, who, by the way, are part of the kingdom. Nationality and language and culture and all those things will all get set aside for the person of Jesus Christ. When Jody and I went to Russia, we met people who are literally just trying to survive in Russia and do their daily lives and love their kids and do all those things, and yet Jesus becomes a part because I get to come in and say, you're a part of the kingdom, I'm part of the kingdom. Now, there's different churches that help make up that kingdom. There's different ministries that help make that happen, but we can miss the fact that you've been called into the kingdom of God. You've been called into this incredible kingdom. There he reigns, and you get to be underneath him. Jesus was proclaiming there's a new kingdom, and it's not of this earth, and it's not about a person sitting on a throne. It is about the people all over the world having access to be able to come in through faith to the one who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? 
So in this process, we need to understand, it says this, Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So we are here as a church not to talk about cedars. We are a vehicle that talks about the kingdom of God. We are a part of a collective of other churches. And we want to be a collective of home churches and people who are reaching out beyond their walls because they want people not to join cedars, but to join the kingdom of God. We didn't merge for this to be cedars. We want this to be a vehicle. We came together so that the kingdom would be proclaimed, that people would find out no matter what their nationality is, no matter what their background is, no matter what their sin is, no matter what their struggle is, there is a king who loves them, died for them, and wants them to come in and be a part of his kingdom. This is why we did what we did. We want to open up home churches that will go to places that, by the way, those people would never come here. Jesus says, go out into the harvest. We want to go where people will be loved and cared for. We want to equip you. We want you to reach your inner circle. That's all the things we're doing, but we need you to understand you're a part of the kingdom of God. In Luke eleven two, 2, it says this, and he said to them, when you pray, say. Now, here's what's funny. Everyone goes like, wait a minute, you, you just switch. That's the Lord's, Lord's prayer. Right, I'm going to take you to the very first line of the Lord's prayer. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, look what he said. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. We are still praying, although it is a yes and scenario. Is the kingdom here? Yes. Is it still to come? Yes. Have we been ushered into this new kingdom? Yes. Will there be more of it? Yes. I will not fully experience the kingdom of God until I am standing in his presence. And I am taking whatever he has given me as blessing and I'm throwing it at his feet. Because he is the one who sits on the mighty throne and he is the one who should be praised. But can I experience the kingdom today? Yes, Jesus even said, it's in your midst. Why? Because we're beginning to see that it's not about this world. It's not about this time. It's not about this place. And what happens is it's meant to elevate our eyes. Yes, I am an American, born in California, raised mainly in Texas when I was young, back into California. I like some baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, Chevrolet, Ford. (laughs) This whole front row just got really excited right then. For you four people, God loves you too. Grace upon grace. But you understand this is not my home. I can vote. I can care about what's happening in my culture, but God has called me to a new kingdom in which he reigns, in which all peoples, male, female, Jew, Gentile, slave-free, all have access to him. And so my Muslim brothers in humanity, I want them to experience Jesus. I want those who are looking to ISIS to save them from their poverty and their worry and their concern to find the one who truly can feed them and take care of them. 
I want us to see that there's a kingdom and we're proclaiming. Selena is proclaiming the kingdom of God. Because I'm telling you, listen to me, governments and countries come and go, but the kingdom lasts. Fortunes come and go, but the kingdom lasts. Abilities come and go, but the kingdoms last. John 18, 33 through 37. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. So we start the story with Mary being told he's going to sit on the throne of David and his rule will never end. And then we get to the end of the story and there's this really incredible exchange between Pilate and Jesus. Now Jesus is doing something he said he'd do. He's going to stay silent. He could stop this at any point. He doesn't. He's allowing it to happen. Let me tell you something. There's something so powerful that the God of the universe, who, by the way, made the spittle that was spit upon him, made the muscles that allowed them to extract it upon his face, who put the DNA of the nails that scratched him as they pulled out his beard, stood there in silence because he loves you and he loves me. And Pilate, who thinks he's all that because Rome has his back, has no idea that he is nothing but a puppet on the end of a string. And the person pulling the strings is standing right before him. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? I love that phrase because this is what Jesus is thinking. The Jews are not enough. The Jews are not enough. I'm not the king of the Jews. I'm the king of kings, and I'm the Lord of lords. But for you, Pilate, I'm not going to say that out loud because you're playing a game, and I'm not going to play the game because you're playing the game I've told you to play. Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? So you're just repeating what you've heard, Pilate? Others have called me the king of the Jews. Is that what you're saying? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Come on, defend yourself, Jesus. Come on, defend yourself. Tell me why I shouldn't let them do what they want to do to you. Your people, you're the Jew. Their own people handed you over to me. Jesus says this. I hope this shudders you. My kingdom is not of this world. What did he say when he said my kingdom? What is he claiming to be? King. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. 
This is why I came into the world. For this moment, when you're about to wash your hands of me, have me scourged, put me on a cross, this is why I've come, because it is going to be through that death and through that resurrection that I will establish my kingdom forever. Because in that moment, listen, Jesus does three things very powerfully. He becomes the sacrifice. But he also becomes the high priest. And then he becomes the king of kings and lord of lords. So, why have I given you this? This is what I know. If you do not submit to the kingdom of God, this is what I know of each and every one of us in the room, you will become your own king. You'll become your own queen. You'll make it about you, and you'll make it about your agenda, and what you need to accomplish, and what your name's supposed to be on this earth, and how significant you're supposed to be, and what you leave in lineage, and what you do. If you don't understand that you are just in the process of being underneath the king of kings and lord of lords, you will make your own kingdom. You will. Jesus came and said clearly, 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 my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not here. And I came here so that you would have life and that you would have it abundantly, but to do so you submit to my kingdom. As we begin this series, this is what I want to say to you. Cedars Church and the home churches that will be birthed from her are not the end game. We are a tool to bring all people of all nations, of all tongues, of all ethnicities, of all language to bring them to the kingdom of God. Because there is a king and he is sitting on his throne and you're either in his kingdom or you're not. And so, we are speaking for the next four weeks about the kingdom of God. And may you find yourself a willing subject to the king on high. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, how be your name? How majestic is your name? How glorious is your name? Your kingdom Bring your kingdom into our lives. Let us bow our knee to you. Let us give our lives for you. Let us understand that it is for your glory and for your dominion and for your reign. And we are then at the pleasure of the king to do his will. And that same king looks down at me and says, Jeff, you're just not a... just not a subject to my son. And he looks and says, you're my daughters. But we pray today as a church in Newark, California, thy kingdom come. In Jesus' name.